0: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. On December 4th, 1909, the Montreal Canadiens were founded by J. Ambrose O'Brien as a charter member of the National Hockey Association, the forerunner to the NHL. However, this was not the only important event in Canadian sports history on this day. The other, it has to do with football and something known as the Gray cub. Welcome to the Football History Dude Podcast, where each
1: episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. Your host is Arnie Chapman. Football is his passion, and he wants you to come along with him to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board his
0: DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time as we step off the DeLorean, the date is December 4th, 1909 at Rosedale Field, a grandstand in Rosedale Park at 20 Shoalfield Avenue in Toronto, Ontario, which is in Canada. We are here to watch a football game between the University of Toronto Varsity Blues and the Toronto Parkdale Canoe Club. Now, depending on your style, you may be telling me that I'm crazy talking about football on this day because if you're an NHL fan... Something more important happened. The Montreal Canadiens were formed. Now, I don't know a whole lot about hockey. But if you're just talking championships, the Canadiens have won 23 Stanley Cups. The next team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. With 13. 10 less than the Montreal Canadiens. So, <laughs> I think that's pretty good. But instead, we are still going to stick eh, over here in the city of Toronto. See what I did there? A little transition. Oh yeah, but first, the only pro team in the major North American sports that has more championships than the Canadians is the New York Yankees. But Toronto, back to Rosedale Field, December 4th, 1909. This game is significant because it's the first ever Grey Cup championship game. This Grey Cup, that's the trophy that is given to the champion of the Canadian Football League to this day. Yes, a championship trophy that was originally given out before the NFL even existed. Well, not even then did it exist because it was a couple years later they get changed to the NFL. But with that said, you're going to hear a theme throughout this episode describing my, well, we'll call it being a little naive, focusing so much of my time on the National Football League, which, by the way, I still think is the greatest league on this planet. But then again, I'm biased. I get that. I've grown up an NFL fan my whole life. However, through listening to partner shows on the Sports History Network and researching other sports of various topics for myself, including the show, I also realized that there is so much more out there to know about, and it is also fascinating how similar, yet how far apart we can be on things, including sports. I mean, dang, American football is still a toddler compared to some sports and how long they've been out there. I mean, baby, I guess for, you, for others. Take horse racing, for instance. This has gone on millennia. But in my research, it appears that something called the Carlisle Bells are the oldest known sporting trophy still in existence in the world. These are something that were awarded back in the 16th century for something called the Carlisle Bell, a historic British flat horse race. And that is one reason why I brought Oz Davis on this show as my guest for this episode. His podcast Truly the Goats, takes a look at sports from all of human history, not just the ones that we watch today. I mean, for instance, one of the episodes covered uh, (laughs) Goat of sumo wrestling, and another was the Goat Gladiator. I mean, we're talking thousands of years of history there. Don't worry, the reason why I talked to Oz for this episode primarily falls on the history of the Canadian Football League, so we're going to keep it with the theme of football. You know, this is the Football History Do podcast, by the way. Now, the Canadian Football League, the CFL, this is something that you might be familiar with, or you may be like me and quote unquote be football shamed into not knowing much about the league. I joke about this because there's a spot in here where I straight up says, okay, I'm going to have to football shame you here because, I mean, I don't know much about the CFL and he's right. A league, well, the league itself might not be older than the NFL, but the trophy was in existence before the NFL was even born. So, let's just say I have a lot to learn about other football leagues, including the NCAA, than what I know about the NFL and the history of the NFL. The NFL will still be my focal point here, but uh, like I said, I'd like to get to know more about the CFL, the NCAA, and the other leagues that are out there, some that most that are not in existence anymore, because everything evolves And feeds off of each other in a way to create the varying leagues that we all love, and if you're like me, I think you're going to go ahead and enjoy this episode because it's definitely different and it's going to explore beyond our normal territory of the NFL. But first things first, I'm going to peel back that big old curtain again to let you know that this is the yeah, second recording that Oz and I had, because the first one, I don't know, must have been zapped by that lightning bolt back in 1955 when Dr. Emmett Brown was floating in the sky and he got zapped back to 1885. So what I'm saying is you're going to hear a few references in there about, yeah, that other interview we had, or, you know, like I said before, I'm not sure if I talked about this in the last time, but that is why, because this is the second uh, take two, if you will. Hopefully the sequel is better than the first, or the original, as as uh, some some people say never can happen. I don't know. So with that, we kick this interview off by talking to Oz about the current news of the XFL and CFL merger, and then into what we are going to discuss: the Canadian football league history, starting in three, two. One, here we go. Let's uh, let's just get into it. Let's get with the topic at hand, originally why I brought you in. Let's give me an update, uh, update 2.0 on the XFL CFL merger news.
1: There is an update 2.0. And in fact, I'm gonna be talking about this on the Sports History Network showcase. Uh, maybe before this podcast is launched, or maybe after, I'm not sure. Um, with Greg James of from the 55 Yard Line, a new show here at the Sports History Network. How do you like that? How do you like these plugs?
0: Perfect little
1: transition, yeah. For other SHN shows. Uh, In any case, okay, so let's talk about it because the commissioner just came out uh, late last week on 420. I don't know if that's significant. Um, And told us that, yes, we will have a season. Uh, It will start in August. It will be 14 games rather than 18 it may be a situation where the first three to four weeks of the season are played in the Western provinces where I guess COVID is more under control than in the East, than in your Torontos and Ottawas and Montreals and whatnot. So imagine that out there on the prairie, there's less spread. Um, and so, and what was, oh yeah, the other one was is that the Great Cup is going to be played in mid-December. I think the actual date was December 12th typically that's played at the end of November. So it'll just make it that much colder. Uh, like I was saying to Greg, it's a good thing it's in Hamilton and not say Calgary or Edmonton (laughs) where it would be even fricking colder, but, um, okay. So I don't know, where would you like me to go with this? Because there's many ways to go with that. Um,
0: we could go anywhere but see so you mentioned Grey Cup thankfully it's in Hamilton so is it like the Super Bowl it's a neutral site now every year? Oh yeah. Yeah. They has it been like that for like quite some time oh, yeah. or Oh yeah. Yeah yeah that's
1: I I think that has been the tradition since the since the CFL was actually formed in like 1949 oh. I think. But A couple of years, they did the weird one and one aggregate score thing, which is really weird. Uh, So you play two games, and they each get a home game. And then if it's split, which you expect it will be, then they just total up the points.
0: (laughs) So you could lose. Didn't you bring that up in the Masta episode? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think he was in a couple of or Or he came in just as that was ending. That would have been in, like, 57, I think. If I remember correctly.
0: So I feel like I've heard that before, and it must have been on your, the, it was number three, the Truly the Goats Moscow. Yes.
1: Three? Three or four? Yeah. Oh. I think it was a two-parter, yeah, two-parter. three-and-four. Oh, yeah. I had so much material for that one. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> what a master. So, um, okay. So now the catch-22s, I mean, I shouldn't say the catch-22s, but the, but the issues are still here. Uh, he basically admitted that he doesn't know exactly how the schedule is going to play out in August. Uh, you know, the very puffy statement was that uh, we have, you know, the teams are committed to being innovative with getting in these 14 games and 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 stuff like this. This is a problem. Another problem is this. In the past few years before COVID, um, the CFL was getting a bit of a bump because they used to start the season in June. And guess what? Gambling is becoming legal in the US. Fantasy football is an obsession in the US. And so the CFL was soaking in like the hardcores for two months of the year. Wow, there was no football going on. There wasn't even college or high school ball going on in June and July. But the CFL is ruined. And again, Um, you know, I don't know if at this point in the podcast, I've already talked about it or not, but the biggest weakness of the CFL and, and what the CFL XFL deal is really about is trying to get those TV bucks. And, and I mean, essentially now they're going head on with the NFL, they're going to lose the ratings war in places like Toronto you know, if they choose to to you know to like the Buffalo Bills <laughs> if if they choose to play the games on Sunday, which they probably won't, you know, they gotta be at least smart in that respect and just not literally go head to head with the NFL. But they're not gonna get ten percent of the attention they got from the US these past few years, uh, because of this schedule change. That's a minus. And again, like I say, we don't know. We don't know. Odds are they will pull off 14 games somehow. I mean, if the NFL could do it, you know, and if baseball could figure out a way to get in 60 games with their, like, you know, free-for-all system, quote-unquote, I'm sure the CFL can knock down 14 games. But again, you know, there's additional problems here, too. Like, is Canada going to start letting Americans back in? I mean, you know, they're not going to make special exception because they're football players. And, you know, that's 50-60% of the league of the Americans, right? Uh, I also, I heard a rumor, I don't know if it was true, but uh, I heard a rumor that San Antonio has volunteered to bubble for the CFL. So, like, if the CFL wants to do some weeks in a bubble, uh, San Antonio is ready and willing. Sure, why not? Why not? They thought they were getting the Raiders a few years ago. (laughs) So, why not? They obviously have facilities they got a lot of people that's that's a big city now
0: so they could do it. they can do it yeah but just i mean being if i'm a cfl fan and my league is heading to america <laughs> the about as far south as it gets almost it just seems i don't know I, it just seems awkward
1: well yeah but the central but the central issue is that no not enough people are going to the games anyway uh,
0: yeah that's true because the yeah, TV especially thing, yeah.
1: the big- Right, because the TV thing, and, you know, that's the same as it is here. Again, you don't want to have to drive to the stadium, go through traffic. I'm in L.A., go through traffic, you know, park for 40 bucks. you know, buy the overpriced crap at the stadium, you know, pay your babysitter if you got kids, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No, you got the comfy chair, and your beer is right over here. It's at arm's length, man. Why do I need to go anywhere? I can crash when I want to. I don't have to drive. (laughs) It's just like, so, I mean, it's the same problem. So they'd still have the TSN deal. You know, people would be watching. And uh, you'd even get higher ratings in places like, you know, Saskatchewan. Because then people couldn't go.
0: Yeah, they'd have to. (laughs) You'd
1: have to watch it on TV. (laughs) It's a kind of a reverse logic there. But realistically, that probably won't happen. I don't know. I'm kind of optimistic about the whole COVID thing anyway. You know, I, th- I think by August, it should be clean. Don't you think?
0: I mean, how are you on the COVID thing? How are I you? mean, I- I'm optimistic as well there, yeah, as far as everything yeah. improving. But yeah, I'm not going to really state where it's going to go, no. obviously. I mean, uh, every but like you said, the border, that-, that would be a big one as far as how many XFL teams would there have been?
1: Well, the XFL has eight teams and the CFL has nine. So, and, uh, (laughs) how many teams, you know, this is one of the things I was talking with Greg about, and this is one of the things I've mentioned on the Rouge, White, Blue CFL podcast too, uh, is that the XFL isn't much more than a collection of logos and names. (laughs) It really isn't. I mean, in 21 years, they have one and a half seasons. Under their belt, uh, they've produced, like, what, three or four NFL players? You know, Tommy Maddox, <laughs> you know, and who else? You know, maybe a couple more. I mean, this isn't the USFL. You know, they, they're not producing. This isn't even the CFL. The CFL produces Hall of Fame NFL players. I mean, <laughs> it's like the XFL is, is nothing but a brand. It's nothing but a logo and the rock.
0: Yeah, and I don't even know, again, how much involvement there is. I stick more to the, the NFL, like you said, 21 years and only one and a half seasons. But it's funny because I still know what the XFL – I know more about the XFL probably even though there's only been that one season than the CFL, which is crazy to think. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going
1: to football shame you, man. I'm going to football shame you. The CFL is – is, it's, it's a superior brand of football. It is a little bit different. Um, I, I really consider it a different sport. I mean, basically if, 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 okay, like I've been doing for an upcoming episode of truly the goats, Hey, yet another reference to a sports history network podcast. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the Gaelic games. Okay. There's a couple of proper Gaelic sports. Now, one of these is Gaelic football, but guess what? It's similar enough to Australian rules football that there is a common game that if the teams want to play against each other, they can play with these neutral rules. Okay. So if these two sports can be considered different games, Canadian football is a different game. Okay. Then American football. The big one is the big rule difference is three downs versus four. Uh, That's a big, one. another big one. the, the, The big ones for me, and, and and of course, what the CFL fans are really worried about is when this merger or this connection happens, the CFL rules disappear. And the two big ones for me are um, the neutral zone is a yard wide, right? So you're lining up a yard off the other line. Uh, and you have unlimited motion before the snap, right? Those are the two things that really do it for me. It increases – it generally increases offense. Uh, because, you know, this is how a guy like Doug Flutie, who is undersized for the NFL, even in the 80s or whatever, succeeds in the CFL into the 90s, is just because he has that extra space that he can see. You, know, you have more time to react. It's also built for a more athletic player. Um, the thing about the NFL game and even the college football, game, really any level of American football now, is that everybody's so much bigger. Right, everybody's so much stronger. Everybody's so much faster. Right, it's it's a game built for a, a different size of man <laughs> than those who are currently playing it. So, to be an offensive lineman, you need to have good footwork. Right, but you don't necessarily have to be super athletic. Whereas in the CFL, you're moving. You're you got that one yard. You you got You're pushing forward. You're you're not just you know holding the guy off there's there's line play is different line play is completely different. and and since line play is so much a part of football again you have to consider it a different game so so and then there's a couple of other rules that the C, that the uh XFL already uses um uh, the uh no fair catch so you have to give the uh you have to give the receiver of a punt or a kick the uh the 5 yard radius or the I think it's five yard, five yard radius. Right, you have to give him a little circle, but there's no fair catch, right? So as soon as he catches it, you can just annihilate him, like used to be able to do in the NFL, uh, just not at full speed, right? Which is what causes you know ridiculous traumatic injuries on special teams. Um, so that's a difference. Uh, you also have this neat rule called the rouge, which I'm sure is an extinct species, but actually some. Uh, American football teams before the rules were really codified used to play with the rule, which is like, if you, if you, okay. So when you kick a field goal or an extra point, that ball is live, right? So if, if you miss it, the opposition gets to return it, right? Uh, If it bounces out of the end zone or if the runner gets tackled in the end zone, or the receiver, I should say, gets tackled in the end zone. That's a that's a point. That's called a rouge. It's like a, a bonus point for the special teams, right? But that rule is probably extinct now. Uh, if the CFL merges with the XFL, um, there's a few other ones. I believe I believe it's just one foot in on the catch. Uh, I believe. Uh, oh yeah, the clock stops in the final two or three minutes of the game after every first down. That's like a college rule, right? That that's the same as in college. Um, couple other ones. Challenge rules are different. Yeah, but you know, this isn't this isn't really part of football anyway. This is part of football on TV. Right?
0: <laughs> so that rouge you, you're talking about, and we Brett, we you mentioned that last time that we got together. You said that if they kick it out of the if it bounces and it goes out of bounds, then that could be a point yeah. for the kicker.
1: I believe so, yeah. For the kicking team.
0: So even yeah. if it's if, like way wide left or wide right or something like that. Uh, Yeah. Huh. Yeah,
1: I believe so. I believe so. I have to check for sure. Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now, but I'm pretty sure.
0: Right. Yeah. But I'm something sure. totally different than what I'm used to. I mean, like, like I said, in the NFL, sure they can, the, the defense can receive it and then they can run for it, but I've never heard of the offense being able to miss and then still being able to score points. It seems like it'd be more interesting for special teams plays.
1: Well, yeah, that's uh, that's the argument against it. Right. The argument against it is like you're rewarding failure. But I, I tend to think of it as you're rewarding uh, success on special teams. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to take a look at this here. The ball is kicked into the and through the end zone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you can, so you can. Yeah, you can just kick it out. Huh? I wonder. Have they ever
0: tried something like that on purpose? Then is that like a strategy from a real far away field goal where they would try to kick it maybe to the corner?
1: Yeah, yeah. You see that, but what tends to happen more, and there's some killer YouTubes about this is there are rules in the CFL where, and again, this harkens back to stuff like rugby where like, let's say there's no time left. Okay. And a team is, a team is kicking off. Right. Uh, And so, you know, in the U S you'll have a situation where, you know, you'll just try and lateral play it, you know, you'll, you'll do the rugby passes and you'll try it, you know, Get an end around and score. Okay. Well, in the CFL, what happens is you start kicking, right? Hmm. Because you can, anybody can become a punter and kick the ball, right? Now that's a live ball, right? So you kick it downfield, your own guy can get it. You know, and so what usually happens is the response is the other team kicks it back. You know, so again, it starts to look like, you know, a sort of uh, Gaelic football game at the end. You know, it turns into this human ping pong. Uh, Like the massive lateral play, it rarely works. But there are some times when it gets so close, it's sweet. Uh, Like I say, there are some killer videos of this on YouTube. Just look up anything like crazy ending to CFL game or wild ending to CFL game. And yeah, yeah, it'll be one of those plays.
0: No, that does sound like it. I mean, I'm thinking of like old backyard style. We'd play like Air Force football. We'd always call it. You could throw it or kick it back and forth as, as oh, a, yeah. opposed to the nice. NFL. You have to only go lateral. Huh? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, again, another rule that to me seems foreign. I mean, in our last interview, I told you I'm the stereotypical American. I only know my sport and my sport's superior. <laughs> and obviously I don't believe that, especially when I'm able to be educated on other sports and um, other country sports of the same type of sport, too. Well, as you dive, one of the
1: mind blowers for me about doing sports history podcasting is all this stuff that we take for granted now, right? If you go back to before 1920, before 1900, right? You just, just go back far enough. Go back to the first Thanksgiving Day game. Okay, and soon you realize that football, soccer, right? association football, gridiron football, which it wasn't in the nineteenth century, and rugby football are all one and the same. It's like a fluid continuum, right? And and in the early twentieth century, late nineteenth century, early twentieth century, that's when especially folks in England got obsessed about codifying stuff. Right? They're like, "No, we're not going to have it where the whole team gets to choose the rules. No, we're going to we're going to make the 11 rules of soccer." Right? And then later on, at, you know, at rugby college or whatever, they codified the fact that you could pick the ball up, <laughs> you know, and run with it, you know, and like that. And so that's what's wild especially about football is that, you know, again, at one time there was this er-sport that was soccer-slash-rugby-slash-football-slash-Gaelic-football-slash-Australian rules, whatever else you want to put in there. And it's wild to think about it. You know, before that, I mean, this is what? This is medieval towns in Europe kicking a, a sheep bladder from one end of town to the other. You know? I mean, <laughs> it's wild. It's wild to think about it. And, 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 you know, it's like, it's kind of like evolution, you know, Canadian football and rugby are the evolutionary cousins of, 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 of football, you know, now that the ancestor is gone, you know, and it's, it's just wild to, to, to get some perspective on that history.
0: Yeah. And I, and you, you've traveled across the world too. Has there been any other sports that are similar yet? They have their own, I guess, regional rules that kind of were different.
1: Well, I mean, do do you mean in in football or Uh, just in the. I guess it'd be like, it'd
0: probably be more the rugby soccer space, not necessarily the American football space. Oh,
1: sure. There's more variants on it, I'm sure. Uh, Because, okay, so rugby has a variant as well. And I forget how that works. Traditional rugby is up to 12 guys on, on a side now. And they, they play another version with like seven or eight guys on a side. So I guess that's kind of comparable to, uh, the, the, you know, slim down football that they play in Texas, seven man football or whatever they call it. Um, but see, I consider those different games too. I consider Arena League a different game too. I mean, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's some similarities, but yeah, definitely different. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, it's as
1: distinct as futsal, which is that indoor soccer game, is to soccer, proper You know, field soccer. It's a different game. But yeah, there's a lot of different variants that come off of soccer um, and thus, you know, football. But the one that I always think of when you think of a continuum of sports is wrestling, right? Every – well – not every, but many, many, many major cultures come up with wrestling. It's just that the rules are all different. (laughs) You know, everybody just makes up different rules. And so you have something like um, there's a form of wrestling in Native America where you stand and you place the insoles of opposite feet together on one side. And then, you know, so you're standing in a V facing each other and then you grab hands and then you try and shove the other guy off balance. And they call this wrestling. You know, mm. so it's kind of like arm wrestling, except with no table. It's basically what they're doing. They're basically doing arm wrestling with no table. And they call that wrestling. And then you get sumo wrestling, which looks a lot like the Canadian Football League Lions. Because <laughs> you got two guys that are about three feet apart just smacking into each other. So, you know, and these are both called wrestling. So. Yeah, you know, the continuum of sport is just friggin' amazing once you start getting into sports history. But you know this—you're a geek,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, especially for you, going back to all the varying sports with the truly the goats. Uh, you, you keep bringing up our your future episode Gaelic football. How long ago was the roots? I guess you could say for that
2: <laughs>
1: uh, Gaelic football, not too long, right? Because again, it's it's a deliberate spinoff. From, you know, again, Ah. when the, when that solar system of soccer football is forming, it's one of those that spins off. What they did was, is they took the hurling field, right? Hurling is, is kind of, what is it? It's a cross between field hockey and murder is the (laughs) famous line. But yeah, so, so they took that field and adapted soccer for it. And I think that they, they play with like 15 players is another difference. So, so, but I mean, it's, it's an interesting sport because it's almost, it's, you could almost consider it an artificial sport where, you know, again, it's kind of like indoor football to me. Arena football is an artificial sport, right? You're forcing this one game into the confines of another pitch and, uh, you know, distorting it in that way. But see now, but, The rules now have evolved so differently that, you know, it's a distinct game. Like I say, it's as distinct from rugby as is Australian rules football.
0: Yeah, it's again, we could go on and on about all the different sports out there. And I I guess as a host, it's my duty to bring us back now to football, Americanized football. But then let's go back to CFL. Is there a Walter Camp of the CFL, like someone that's known to be the founder of that type of rule set?
1: Oh, wow. You know, I'm sure there is, but I'm limited in this respect. I'll find out. I'll find out because Canada is a very strange situation in general. I mean, remember that until like, what was it? 1869. It was still part of Britain. Okay. So, so things evolved a little more slowly out there. Plus. It wasn't like the U.S. Uh, Travel across the uh, Canada wasn't as easy as across the U.S. for various reasons. Railroad system wasn't as good, but also the winters are insane. It's just hard to transverse that, right? So you had a situation for the first 50 or 60 years of the Canadian Rugby Union, right, where, you know, again, like different provinces even would have different Right, they would have, and and you know again, it was the kind of thing where, on the rare occasions when you know the Quebec team came to you know I don't know Manitoba or something, and and they played a game there, you, you'd go home team rules. So, but then you know gradually through time, the thing is the reason why, for example, the CFL has a West and an East right now is because up until 1950. Literally, the West was united and the East was united, and so you had like you know, I don't know, seven teams from Edmonton or whatever. It's kind of like a situation of uh, American football before the NFL, right? Where you'd have these regional leagues. You'd have the Ohio League, and and you just Canton would just play all the teams from Ohio and crush them. <laughs> you know so it was the same thing in canada slowly got to that point where the west was united and the east was united and then the cfl just united them both
0: well that's a good spot for halftime and a good opportunity to tell you about our first cfl podcast on the sports history network called from the 55 yard line to learn more about the hosts and from the 55 yard line you can head to the shn showcase podcast with oz and the from the 55 yard gang to learn more And here's the trailer for that
2: show. Professional football in North America, be it from the 50 or 55 yard line, is a special, unique, and rare game for those who have played it make it so. The heroes of the game, which recalls for many the glory of youth, for the true fan remain timeless, ageless, and forever part of a story that began long ago for their stories are legends in which they found in the sport a demanding measure of their courage and ability, the achievements of which remain forever enshrined in the words of the researchers, historians, and sports writers, without whom their stories could not be told. Join with Scott and Greg from their 55-yard line perch and the Sports History Network, on a discussion of professional football today, as seen through the lens of a time where we got our news from Cronkite and Cosell, and when the game was filled with magic and wonder, where the heroes of youth, with names like Unitas, Stabler, Jackson, Greasy, Lancaster, Holloway, Staubach, Moon, and Bradshaw, played before us on old cathode ray screens and in ancient stadiums now long gone, but never forgotten.
0: Right, yeah. So anyway, um, let's go back to, yeah, so speaking of the differences of the CFL and the NFL or maybe other types of sports that are around football, uh, in our last episode that we discussed, you you brought up some cool CFL history. Let's kind of just maybe a brief overview, however you can from the beginning to the end or now or however you want to go about it.
1: Well, I mean, I just did a bunch of it. Okay. So, so that's basically how it happens again. Like in, in the beginning, in the 1870s, 1880s, you know, they're playing a uh, sort of weird rugby version, very British, you know, very British style rules and like that comes in, you know, same kind of thing is happening. Um, there were games, uh, between these border teams once in a while. I mean, um, To this day, this is why North Dakota State ends up exporting so many of their players to Canada. Because, yeah, way, way, way back in the day, once in a while, they'd cross-border and play games. These various teams. I mean, the winner of the first great cup, which I believe is 1909, was to a college team. Right? So, again, you have the situation where most of sport is um, amateur right? At least this highest level of sport. And we're not just talking about how people liked college ball more than pro ball, which was the case in the States until the 50s. We're not talking about that. We're talking about literally, that's the highest form of ball. You know, just real quick, we were just talking about Gaelic football. One of the secrets about Gaelic football is guess what? Those guys are amateurs. Those guys have real jobs. Okay, that's a throwback to the 19th century. You know, um, the only reason why baseball is professional today is because there were a bunch of guys like Spaulding, you know, that got together and said, hey, maybe we should make some money off this baseball thing, (laughs) you know, and they formed the first professional sports team in probably North America. But it certainly have to be, have to be the first professional sports team. So in any case, okay. so and then, you know, so in the 1910s, in the 20s and the 30s and whatnot, you're getting the forward pass. You know, you're learning, you know, the new formations and whatnot. You know, there's some crossover, but the real, the real boom time for the CFL is right after the war, 50s, 60s, whatnot. Um, Several reasons why. One is because the Canadian dollar was about as good as the US dollar. Second of all, and I talked with this on another podcast. This is great. good. doing so many podcasts now that I forget uh, who good. I'm talking to. The NFL for a long time after the war was, they were, they were disproportionate. There wasn't enough teams, right? Just like in baseball, there was too much talent out there. This is why the AFL succeeded, right? Because you did have enough top level talent to fill out another 10, 12 teams. Okay. So, you know, it, this is, this is what's happening in Canada. OK, um, you there's no uh, they open it up in Canada. So there's no ratio at this time. And so anybody can come. Plus, you know, there were a lot of guys who let's not put too fine a point on it, um, felt like the racial situation in Canada might be better than it was in the US, you know, because um, the NFL was only integrated in what? Forty, right around the time of Jack. So yeah, it was like a year or two before. Yes, the Rams. Rams. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, okay, so at that that was really the golden age. Uh, This is when you had Angelo Mosca. Uh, This is when you had guys like Joe Cap, who later on uh, became the first. I think he's still the only quarterback to start the Rose Bowl, the Grey Cup, and the Super Bowl. Um, so pretty big name there and a lot of other, uh, these ex Notre Dame players and, you know, even future NFL hall of famers, uh, were playing in the CFL in the fifties and sixties after this, you know, uh, America got a bit richer. The seventies was kind of weird because there was a lot of inflation going on, but sports were drawing in more and more money. It cannot really be underestimated how much not only the merger, but the subsequent Monday night football deal and the subsequent Sunday afternoon deals uh, that the league made for TV. Hey, it all comes back to TV, right? That that cannot be underestimated. A lot more money, a lot more interest in America, a lot more Americans going to stay home. However, in the 70s, and we tend to forget this, but the 70s was a great era for spectator sport in terms of, man, you could sell out some stadiums. You could sell out 100,000 in Los Angeles Coliseum in those days. You know, (laughs) again, it's just more convenient nowadays, and of course, it's a lot pricier nowadays. So we don't get that. But and so this was happening in the CFL. You know, Montreal—they're getting 55,000 people for a game. You know, Um, stuff like this. You know, Uh, Toronto—it's just absolutely packing them in. Uh, The Prime Minister Trudeau, the first (laughs) senior. Trudeau Sr., uh, said to be the most popular politician in the 20th century in North America. Um, you know, he was a huge CFL fan, huge CFL fan. Just talk about it all the time on TV and stuff, you know? And so, you know, it's still a good time for the CFL. 80s, not so good. Okay. This, this all leads to, and I don't know why this, the CFL didn't choose to learn from the USFL. And to some extent the WFL before it, but they decided to do the the amazing CFL USA experiment. Um, what had happened was is that there was a team, the Sacramento Gold Miners. They were a refugee from some defunct league. I don't remember what league it was. And so they're just kind of like the CFL, hey, we're ready to go for next season. Can we join your league? And the CFL said, sure. And, you know, for a while it worked okay. Um, Sacramento played with the Canadian field, which, of course, is 10 yards longer. Hence, from the 55-yard line, the Sports History Network podcast about the CFL. And so they were able to – they changed that. They made the field wider like it is in Canada. Uh, They they were willing to do that. Okay. Floodgates are open, right? The Canadian owners are going, hey – We can charge massive franchise fees and pocket the money, right? You know, I mean, it worked for the USFL, right? I mean, That's what killed them. So, you know, they threw in a bunch of other teams. And, um, eh, you know, not too many of them were successful, with the exception of Baltimore. The Baltimore Stallions were legendary. This was just after uh, Baltimore had their team stolen from them. And, in fact, the first year Baltimore was in the league, they called themselves the Colts, <laughs> the CFL Colts, right? But the NFL wasn't having any of that. So they made them change the name. So they changed it to the Stallions. And um, the first year they went to the Grey Cup, what happened was is they, they organized the league into North and South divisions. Now, there was crossover, but the Americans refused to play by the Canadian rules. You know, they, they kept their field because it was inconvenient to change the chalk lines, I guess. Um, they they um, I think they still had twelve men and stuff like that, but they um Oh yeah. And the and the big sticker was the ratio. Nah, screw that. Nope. We're gonna have fifty-three Americans. Right. That's what they said. Now, as a result, I mean, it, it's still interesting because many of the teams were not very good in America anyway, except for Baltimore. So the first year Baltimore was in the league, year two of CFL USA, uh, they, they were in the finals. Uh, they were in the great cup and they lost to, I think it was the eight and 10 BC Lions. I think they were eight and 10. They had a losing record that year. And, uh, and but they, they won just the got great on. cup. Yeah, but they just got on a tear at the end of the season and just uh, snuck back in because, you know, the American teams were beating up on the Canadian teams. So there were a bunch of Canadian teams with poor records, you know, much worse than that. (laughs) So so, uh, they lost to the BC Lions, but then the second year they put together what is basically thought to be uh, the greatest CFL team ever. There are top two or three. Some folks in Edmonton have disputes with their Warren war Moon teams, but probably one of the top two or three teams of all time, the 1995 Stallions, uh, just cruised. They were something like 15 and three, just cruised, beat the Lions again in the Great Cup and just, and that's it. That's the only American team that has ever won the Great Cup until I suppose 2023, you know, when the, Houston Roughnecks are going up against the Calgary Stampeders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and since then, the, the other thing about the CFO USA is um, it was great in the short term, but just trashed them in the long term. You know, just trashed the league. They got themselves in a huge debt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, had a bunch of, now they had a bunch of American players who were technically CFL players, but they couldn't take them all because of the ratio, you know, stuff like this. So they moved the Baltimore team to Montreal and, uh, you know, ejected about two thirds of the players because they're all American. And since then they've kind of righted the ship until recently, sort of, you know, taking care of physically, you know, keeping the salaries low, unfortunately, but what are you going to do? Getting those TV deals as best they could. You know, uh, TSN used to pay a lot more relatively for Canadian football than they have been recently. Again, big part of the problem. And, you know, fans would come to the games. That that was the thing about CFL USA is that with the exception of Baltimore, which was, well, actually the Birmingham team did pretty well too, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, attendance. But, you know, the CFL teams were selling out during CFL USA. You know, it's just that the, uh, the USA teams weren't selling out. You know, they weren't making any money. So the league has to assume that debt. And so, but, you know, people are still going to the games in the 80s and the 90s. And it's just, I don't know when things got so out of hand. I don't know when it became better to stay home. You know, the schedule didn't change. The schedule—it's always started in June. It's always ended in November. Well, at least you know, past, yeah. You Twenty-first know, century, that's it. Uh, it. Hasn't changed. And and now, you know, like like I've probably already mentioned. Uh, now they've got a debt, you know, estimated around sixty million as a as a as a as a league. Um, and <laughs> I don't know how many tickets they're going to sell next year. I can't imagine that TSN is going to be real happy. Uh, with them playing at the same time as football, I I don't know I don't know. Uh, that's a history league,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean a I, few minutes. In a few minutes. <laughs> I didn't really like I said I didn't, I didn't really mean to say that you know the end, but the way that you're describing it at the end there, it seems unfortunately like possibly it's gonna go the, the wayside, like the WFL, the USFL, and that's a good transition into your your uh, one of your <laughs> recent yes. episodes.
1: But yes, but see, it's a, it's a different situation because the CFL is 100-plus years old, history-wise. It's Officially, it's like 70, okay? So 70-year-old league, that's the difference, okay? And this is the dark side of my discoveries in sports history. Sports die. Leagues die. Leagues certainly die. We've seen it. You know, and only the most complex of societies can afford these highly complex and expensive games. I mean, football is one hell of a complicated game. Dude. I mean, think about it I and mean, think about what you need to play football. This is always the selling point of soccer. You can play it with two guys and a ball. This is the selling point of basketball. You can play it by yourself you know football especially on a high level you're talking like four coaches let's just start there (laughs) you know nowadays you've got to have the electronic equipment right you know i mean it's complex dude and i mean it's just how long is this sustainable if you don't have a billion dollar tv deal you know even if your wages are so low like they are in the cfl You need at least a hundred million dollar TV deal, and they're not getting it. You know, it's just, it seems like doom and gloom. I don't, they're gonna have to pull a rabbit out of there because I mean, even you are tell me that you know more about the XFL than the CFL. How are they gonna sell this to the American audience, which is what is required?
0: Yeah, and and it it's crazy that I know more about it. I mean, when I say that, I guess I'm saying it tongue in cheek because, of course, I know more about the CFO. But really, my my limitations to the knowledge of that league end with me and you talking for five, ten minutes, possibly. You just explained to me way more than I could have even dreamed of knowing. Like I knew the Doug Flutie, I knew Warren Moon, I knew some of these other, you know, other players. But because of you know, and and I've seen games every now and then maybe on B-dubs or something on the TV. And that looks interesting, but I never really realized any of the true rules, which is crazy to think. Like you said, the great cup 11 years before the NFL was even, but that's what I want to ask you. 1909 great cup. And then however many years after that, like, so was a great cup, like just a, just a, a, a bunch of regions that had teams and then they would fight for the great cup or was,
1: was yeah, there a league? Just- to, yeah, it was just the best. Um it was just the best of Canadian football. Right. This trophy is awarded to the best team in Canada. Okay. So now you gotta you gotta remember, T D, for the first like seven, eight years of the NFL, they did not have a championship game. Dude, they voted who was the champion. Now, most years it was pretty obvious, right? Because you'd have one team that was undefeated, <laughs> you know, or one team that had one loss, and everybody else had two or Right. But they voted. See, again, it's something we take for granted. So back in these days, I'm not sure how they actually did it back in the day, but I believe that there was, like the NCAA, uh, some kind of organizing body um, that, you know, would choose it. Yeah. Yeah. See, of course. Yeah. It's the Canadian Rugby Union. Right. So the Canadian Rugby Union is sort of like, you know, your governing body. Right. It's it's a it's a FIFA or whatever back in the day. And so basically they would just send out invitations to what they consider to be the two best teams. You know, kind of like kind of like, you know, the poll committee, (laughs) you know, nowadays or whatever. They just choose. They just, you know, their board or whatever gets together and says, okay, these two teams are the best. And then, you know, as I understand it, there would be occasions when one team just couldn't make the trip. They'd be like, okay, how about you? (laughs) you know so so it's almost like a nit tournament situation you know it's just like oh they're not going to take their bid okay do you want it but i mean again taking it for granted right this is 1909 i don't you don't even have radio at this point right
0: (laughs) yeah yeah whoever can sell the teams the best i guess at that point (laughs) might end up winning Uh, speaking of that let's get into that you know newspapers.com that was newspapers back then go ahead and tell us about newspapers.com a little bit.
1: Oh, you're going to let me do the plug for Newspapers.com? For sure, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let me tell you about Newspapers.com. Newspapers.com is probably my favorite uh, website out there. No offense to uh, (laughs) SportsHistoryNetwork.com or TrulyTheGoats.com, But it's probably my favorite website out there, and here's why. Um, The truth is – here's my pitch. The truth is if you're into sports history, okay, and you try and do sports history online, especially through, you know, Famous search engine, which will go unmentioned here because they have enough publicity as it is. Try and do a search. What you'll get, Wikipedia. You'll get a bunch of products on eBay if you're lucky. (laughs) You'll get a couple of YouTube videos by people who generally probably know less than you do. They're probably very generalist kind of videos, uh, at least in my experience you're not going to get anything that A, you haven't seen before, and B, any high school student can't find. That's why you need newspapers.com. If you go to newspapers.com, they have 640 million plus pages of material for you. This comes from The U.S., from the U.K., from Ireland, from Australia, from some other countries around the world. Dating back from 1798 to 2021, you can look up stuff from papers, like I say, from all over the U.S., Canada, U.K., and more. You get real-time reportage of how this stuff happened. You want to find out about the 1936 Berlin Olympics, what they really thought about it? Go back and use newspapers.com. It's a hell of a lot better than that search engine is. I'll tell you that. And plus, and, and I will say this, though. Beware. Beware. This thing for the history buff for the sports fan is a rabbit hole. You, I mean, it is tough. Like just the other day, oh, what did I look up? I looked up something oh yes of course because as part of truly the goats i'm doing uh, an alternate universe replay of the 1938 pittsburgh pirates who had the sort of informal opportunity to pick up five key League players including satchel page and josh gibson okay so i was looking up about opening day in uh for 1938 pittsburgh pirates right what's going on and i turned to the front page because you go to the front page of the same newspaper and it was like Chamberlain's peace plan agreed upon. (laughs) And it was all this stuff about how, you know, the Germans have agreed to peace, peace in our time and all this stuff. This is real time stuff. Okay. Views like that have been wiped by the narrative But with newspapers.com, you can see what people were really thinking at the time. You can see what people really thought about the 1919 Chicago White Sox throwing the series. Could they tell they were throwing it? Hmm. Go to newspapers.com. You can check out stuff like the first Super Bowl report, or as they they preferred to call it back then, the AFL-NFL championship game. Go ahead. See what they thought. The funny thing about that game is you go to newspapers.com and you find out wasn't exactly as highly reported as it might be nowadays. <laughs> For example, just a fascinating, fascinating website, newspapers.com. And you can get one free week and help support podcasts like this one, like Truly the Goats, like From the 55 Yard Line, all the great Sports History Network podcasts by going to sportshistorynetwork.com slash newspapers. One free week, help support Sports History Network. Newspapers.com, the greatest website of all time.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's going to be great. I'm, I'm glad that I have you on here so you could go through that. And I'm not even going to bother with the typical advertisement that I throw in. That's the advertisement for it. Great. And then, uh, <laughs> which this will end up transitioning to. And then what I would say, okay, so speaking of the cool thing about newspapers.com, like you said, you get to go back to the primary accounts. So, I probably asked you some DeLorean questions. I don't know what's recorded still. Let's give you a different one. Here's a DeLorean question. You get to go back to any point in football. Let's keep it American style football history. And you can go back with your buddy and you can go watch one game. What is it?
1: One game. Wow. Okay. Uh, It would really be great to see Jim Thorpe play. That would be pretty awesome. Now, you can choose. You could choose between the upset of Harvard. Now that I've heard about it, there is actually a game between the Carlisle School and West Point Army. And on that team was Dwight Eisenhower. And uh, so Dwight and his buddy, alongside him on the team, decided— That they were just going to beat the hell out of Thorpe because Thorpe was going to crush them. Right. And of course, you know, this is the day. This is the days of two way players, right? So they're facing them on both sides. By the end of the game, both of them had gone out. Eisenhower had broken his leg thereby disrupting his career. And guess what? (laughs) Eventually he becomes president. So it might be cool to see that game. That might be fun just for like the what if. Uh, spinning off of it, you know, you could if you if you catch the Delorean at the right moment, you could go into that alternate universe <laughs> where there Dwight go. doesn't become president. Um, that would be a good one. I don't know. What's your choice? The ice bowl I, might be a good one if I'm dressed for it. I,
0: I was just, yeah. I mean, the ice bowl might be cool to go to, but you're talking to a dude. Even though I live in Michigan, I'm not a cold weather guy. That's, oh man, yeah. I I know football and cold and everybody, it's, you know, be out there in the cold. But I've appreciated the Lions having the Silver Dome and then now having Forge Field. So when I go to the games, I get to be inside the stadium. Uh, You know what? As you mentioned that, okay, so this seems not going back in history. But I want to go back to the 1996 Detroit Lions versus Jacksonville Jaguars game. Their first uh, game year in the league. The reason why I want to go back to that is my grandpa he's 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 not long for this planet and I want to go back with that it was my dad, my grandpa, my brother, and myself and that was the only game that Gramps ever went to live. They beat mm. the Jaguars. I want to say like 44 to nothing. It was something to nothing and at the very wow. end of the game, this is after Barry scores two touchdowns and you know, they pulled him in the third quarter or whatever. It's Third and goal, the Lions have their second or third stringers and the Jaguars, Mark Brunell and everybody still coming after them. And they went for it on fourth down and the Lions shot them out. And that Silverdome Stadium just erupted. <laughs> it, I want to go back to that game. And that's the first time I thought about the game in a long time. So thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, what a great choice. That's very, very, very interesting. Not a historical game, right?
0: Not <laughs> only historical if you're a Lions fan and you went with Gramps and that's Gramps is mm-hmm. the only game he's ever been to. And yeah. that dude's 90 years coming up on 91. So wow. he's been a Lions fan his whole life. But just he like you talk about TV versus um going to the game like he'll uh-huh. he'll see every game. Plus, he'll have his radio on because yeah. it's harder to see now. So he'll unfortunately yeah. he'll when you see Gramps and doing this. Before you can actually see it on TV because the radio comes faster. You know, it's a good thing coming. It's like, come on, Gramps. (laughs) We don't get to see it. But, yep, I'm going back to that game. And speaking of that, um, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to skip over some of that other stuff. And we're going to get it to the end here. And I want to have you because there's so much. We're going to have to bring you back on so we can get into whatever else. because You know, we have so much there. Last words of wisdom for any fan that is in the similar shoes of me that doesn't know enough about the alternate leagues and alternate sports out there. And what would you give them as far as advice? Wow. Okay.
1: I think it's ESPN plus is a great resource. Okay. They have, they, they have your obscure sports on demand. Okay, and I don't even necessarily mean like bizarre sports. I mean like college softball, for example, which for most of the season you can't get on ESPN or ESPN2 even. Uh, They have cricket. They have rugby when it's a big competition like the World Cup. Um, This is a good way to check out some of those games. The... (laughs) The Irish games, I think, are going to stay a little bit inaccessible because they do a very weird thing with hurling, especially. And I believe also with Gaelic football. They'll show them on BBC. They'll show it throughout the British Isles and Ireland, right? But while the action is going on, the commentators often go into Gaelic. Like, so they're doing the play by play in Gaelic. And then once the play stops or once there's a break, they'll start going, Oh yeah, that was a tremendous player. Whatever. <laughs> so they'll do the color in English, you know? So, huh. so that does it, that makes it a little bit less accessible, but these other sports, these other variations on sports, um, ESPN, ESPN plus, like they really need the publicity, but they got all the contracts, right? Including a CFL contract. Now, a Couple of years ago, before the pandemic, uh, three years ago, they had literally every game on ESPN, uh, one, two, or three. Before the pandemic, they had almost every game. You had to search around for it sometimes, and sometimes it would get preempted by like college basketball or something. But uh, you can still catch it on the replay. So that's a great resource. Now. The problem, of course, with following the CFL this year is that it starts in August because every year I get to tell Americans, hey, Jonesing for football yet? We're already eight weeks into the season. <laughs> We're almost halfway through. You guys haven't even started, you know? But this year, not so easy. In general, what I say is if you want to learn more about any sport or if you want to get into a sport, pick a team. Pick a team. Having a favorite team is a great way to learn sport because you get obsessed with your team and then you have to learn what the opposition brings every time. Right? So in general, I would say that. But other than that, yeah, just pick something up. Like, look, in your case, since the CFL is probably not going to play on Sunday if they know it's good for them, um, you know, just check out a game. Um, You know, on a Friday, you know, or a well, they have Thursday night football, or even on a Saturday if you're not in college bowl. They play a lot of CFL on Saturday. If you're not in college bowl, just check out a game on Saturday. It's great stuff. And again, if you don't check out anything else, watch the Grey Cup. The Grey Cup is almost always good. You're you're usually getting two of the two or three best teams in Canadian football. Once in a while, it's you know, five and Toronto. 10
0: team pops up every now yeah, and then. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just recently, just recently, um, the Calgary Stampeders sort who of, have sort of earned a reputation as the Patriots of the CFL recently, they lost to like a 500, uh, Argonauts team, Toronto Argonauts team and, uh, snow all over the place. It was great. It was a great game. Uh, even so, the the Great Cup is always worth watching. I mean, it's the top of any competition, right? Like, like I feel like even if you don't give a damn about soccer, you got to watch the World Cup final. I mean, come on, man, come on! Even if you don't give a damn about like gymnastics, check out the Olympic gymnastics final. I mean, it's great. <laughs> you know, I mean, so if worst comes to worst, check out the Great Cup. Check out the Great Cup. In the case of Canadian football, or the championship.
0: There you go. Some CFL history for you. And some overall sports history in general. Again, I'm glad that we were able to have someone like Oz Davis on this show, who, (laughs) as you could tell, obviously has a passion for all sports, and he seems to not have his blinders on as much as someone like yours truly about all the sports of the world. As I'm saying this, I can't remember now if I mentioned it in the interview... Or the mysterious lost interview, but although I really only follow the NFL now, and speaking of the NFL, tonight as I'm recording this intro, the draft is on, so we'll see what happens there. Baseball was the sport that I was the best at in school. If I had something where I potentially could have been, you know, getting a scholarship to go to college, it would have been baseball. Then when I was younger, I played basketball in the driveway by myself and with my brother all the time. And I loved watching basketball probably mostly throughout the mid-90s. I guess there was a guy by the name of Michael Jordan and everything else around the NBA at that time. And then later on, I turned into just football. You know, not saying I don't like these other sports. It's just the NFL is my thing. With that being said, I think the biggest takeaway that I have is uh, I won't say necessarily be open to more sports because... If something's on the TV at, say, Buffalo Wild Wings, no matter what the sport is, I'm definitely thoroughly entertained and engaged, you know, because it's competition. But I think it's more to be open them, more willing to see how much each sport and league contributes to the overall sporting world. I mean, yes, NFL might be the most popular in America, but there's a lot more out there than just the NFL. And I also must admit this, (laughs) I think I said the 1996 season for the Jaguars being their first, but I'm pretty sure, uh, as I looked it up here, it's the 1995 season when the Detroit Lions played them. But yes, it was 44 to nothing. By the way, 1995 was the year that the Lions had the most potent offense in the league. I think the first time where two players on the same team had over 100 receptions, Herman Moore and Brett Perriman. Then we had Johnny Morton, the worm. You know, remember that guy when they... Took a long time to win. And they go, and Jay Leno can kiss my, you know what, because they weren't winning too many games there. And oh, yeah, there was also a guy. Uh He wore number 20 for the Lions as well that year. Oh, but with all that, again, thank you to Oz for coming on the show. And if you like his style, I highly suggest that you check out his podcast, Truly the Goats, which you can find on the Sports History Network. The best way to find his podcast and all of our other podcasts is to head to SportsHistoryNetwork.com forward slash podcasts but for now dude i'm through if you're through thank you for listening to this episode of the football history dude to make
1: sure you're the first to get the next episode please subscribe on your podcast player of choice and head on over to the football for the show notes and
2: more information on the history of the nfl and remember dudes where we're going we don't need roads